May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. How valued are you? How valued do you feel? How significant are you? And how significant do you feel? Remember the child in the cot? The child in the cot is frightened. It's alone, missing the woman, the smell and touch of its mother. It feels isolated, cut off from the source of its security. The embrace that reassures it of its existence and significance. This isn't what it's thinking, but it is what it's feeling. Aware that it is, and yet no one seems for the moment to be noticing that it is. It feels threatened, cut off, terrifyingly alone. And so it begins to cry, to call out in the only way it knows for the love and the recognition its whole being aches for, needs, a true cry for help. Hold me, whisper to me, stroke me. Please speak those soft reassuring words again. Sing to me, love me. And when it sees the familiar shape approach and hears the soothing love words tenderly spoken, it stretches out its hand to be surrounded by that secure feeling that someone cares. Yes, I I matter to someone. But if no one comes, if the child is left to cry in the vast emptiness of the world and to whimper in the dreadful silence, something inside begins to wither and die. I cry and no one comes. I am nobody. I reach out and there is no one. I don't matter. I ask for tenderness and I'm told to be quiet. I don't matter that. When that urge, that persistent demand for significance meets no response, the child begins to feel they are worth nothing. As we know, four-year-olds rule the world, or so they feel. It should operate according to their whim. It's theirs to discover and uncover, a whole world out there to be enjoyed, and they are at the centre of it. They clamour for attention, for information that they need to grow and feel at home in the world. Confident in their own personhood and worth, they, they thrive on encouragement, praise, affirmation, if they are going to feel that confidence. But when their best efforts are met with dismissive lack of interest, when parents are more concerned with their mobile phone than with talking to their developing youngster, the cold shoulder feels very cold. 
The feeling that on the scale of adult values, even parental values, we come pretty down the list of priorities. Does not feed our self-esteem. We we shrink, our sense of self-worth is diminished. We stand at the edges, and oh my word, it's cold out there at the edges. Is anyone listening? Does anyone care? Who knows me? Who wants to know me? Who will spend time with me? I know I can count, but I don't feel as if I do count. It's pretty tough being a teenager out there. Assaults on your sense of self-worth come from many areas. How do I look? What do I wear? Am I in or out? What are they saying about me on social media? Or worse, what if they're saying nothing about me? How successful am I? Who wants to be my friend? I don't look right. I don't dress right. I don't fit in. I am alone. Who cares if I'm there or not? They never ask me to the party. The accepted mantra that, yes, children can be cruel, is offered as justification for all the little hurts and all the quiet discriminations and the inner struggles that teenagers cope with and the marginalising they feel so that their confidence melts away and the imprisonment of their lonesomeness is crushing. There are plenty of teenagers out there who are not very sure who rates them worth anything. If you're not in the gang, you're not anywhere. That delicate operation of moving from childhood to adolescence to adulthood highlights how fragile a person's life is, how vital it is to each one of us to be thought to matter to someone, somewhere. Here in that teenage transition is the stage we break into independence and personhood. And here sharply comes the need to feel of significance, to be recognised as valued, a unique individual who is autonomous and precious and priceless. Teenagers take refuge in boastfulness and self-assertion. They take on challenges. They feel the need for physical and intellectual success, that battle to be free of parental domination, to be someone in their own right. These are the expressions of an adolescent's hunger for significance. And if they don't get the opportunity to be someone at home, they will seek that sense of value among their peers, their circle of friends, the gang they join. They will take them seriously. They will listen to their opinions as if they were of some consequence. And there might be aggression and noise as the child becomes a man or a woman and feels that need to grow and become themselves. And especially be acknowledged by their parents to be somebody. And if they don't get that, their self-esteem will be damaged and they will feel threatened. They don't really care about me because they won't let me be myself. They won't let me grow up and take responsibility for my own existence. And they long to be told explicitly and to be shown implicitly that you are someone special. Someone who's never existed before and never will again. 
This is cause for joy. You are someone. And if no one says that to them, they try to prove it. See, I am someone. My name's written big on that wall in paint. I am someone. See the damage I can do when I put my mind to it. And when young people are boxed up in 20-story concrete coffins, or when they're given a job that is so meaningless and demeaning, that has no challenge or point or purpose, and leaves them so far down the pecking order, there's pretty much nothing left to peck, that reinforces the feeling that they don't matter. There's no place for them. Alienation. The truth is, those feelings are not feelings that we outgrow or slough off when we come to something approaching maturity. Those feelings lie buried deep in our subconscious, ready to emerge and terrify us when we least expect. Always there's that lingering need for recognition, for a real sense of significance. We try to ward it off. Our job is an outlet. I manage, therefore I am. I sell, therefore I am. I have a position of authority and responsibility, therefore I have worth. Or our home is an extension of our personality. I'm a person of substance. See me. The achievements of our children rub off on us. Our conversations are not often a long way far from that child reaching out his hands for attention. There is always positioned just around the corner. The feeling that really, perhaps we're not that special after all. Not that important after all. We never quite shake off the vulnerability, the aloneness and anxiety of that child in the court. It's there waiting for us. When the children grow up and we're not needed anymore, or when we leave our job and lo and behold, the company doesn't collapse without us, or we grow old and the doorbell never rings, and we wonder how important we really are at all. This is our human predicament. It's not the case that we, we wish we were someone else. We just wish that we were someone. We could be sure that we were someone. The Christian gospel speaks to that predicament and tells us that we do matter, that we are significant, that we matter a great deal. It tells us that we are creatures created by a loving God who made, who made us unique individuals with unique talents, gifts and faces, with voices that are ours alone by which we can be recognised a unique background and history, unique potentialities and possibilities. There has never been anybody like you, ever. And there never will be. Some lookalikes, some approximations perhaps, but never you, created once and the mould broken. What the Danish philosopher Kierkegaard called that meeting of time and eternity that will never be repeated, though the world should stand forever. That's you. That meeting of time and eternity that will never be repeated, though the world should stand forever. 
an astonishing miracle of individual attention and concern. The Christian gospel tells us that God thinks we are significant enough to count the hairs in our head. We are, therefore we matter. That same gospel tells us that we're significant enough to be given the most amazing playground imaginable. A world to discover and enjoy, a place to learn and grow, to come to maturity, a whole universe to unlock and explore. God has given us an environment in which we can learn about ourselves, make mistakes, become a real person. We matter to him that much. That's the outrageous declaration of faith. We matter to God that much. As the psalmist says and we read, look at the heavens and the stars. And what is man that thou art mindful of him, O God? Yet you have made him little less than the angels. Made in his image, with the gift of spirit as well as body. That means we don't approach the world like the beasts of the field to eat and sleep and reproduce, but we have thoughts and contemplation and appreciation of beauty, creative drives, the ability to control and transform, to make relationships, to love and receive love, the precious gift of memory, the assurance of self-consciousness, the irritations of conscience that keep us focused on our moral core and we are capable of walking with God finding him in the stillness in holy places and sacred moments the gospel tells us that God considers us of sufficient worth and importance to give all of this to us Freedom to make something of the world and to assess our progress as individuals. God has set his seal upon us, reassuring us that we are valuable enough to him to be entrusted with unique powers of insight, invention and growth. Each one of us. Made like that, given that. But it's when it points us to the cross of Jesus that the gospel brings us to a full stop before the stunning realisation of our worth, our true significance. Whatever our emphasis on understanding the cross of Jesus, whether we see it as God rescuing us from the powers of darkness or God bearing his own judgment for us, be it proof of God's love as active and unbreakable and unconditional that he will love us whatever crazy thing we do here is where we see God's assessment of our status however however we regard Calvary or define its meaning we are drawn there as the focus of our significance we sing it every Easter We may not know, we cannot tell what pains he had to bear, but we believe it was for us. He hung and suffered there. We believe it was for us. 
We are loved with a love that takes us that seriously. He thinks, he thinks we are worth his Calvary. That's how much we matter to him. He thinks we are worth his Calvary. That child in us who never goes away, eager for reassurance, asks, Am I loved? Am I loved? The voice of God replies from the cross, You are loved, my son. You are loved, my daughter. See how much you are loved. That child in us who never goes away, always anxious lest we slide into insignificance, asks, Do I matter? Do I really matter to anyone? Christ shows us his hands and his side and says, Yes, my son. Yes, my daughter. You matter to me. You matter to me. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We sit for a moment of reflection and music. <laughs>